and welcome to She Thinks A Podcast, where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, we discuss the migration of liberal Americans from blue states to red states and how this trend is drastically changing the economy and living standards in many states like Virginia and Texas. To break down the data and the consequences, Kristen Tate is joining us. She is the author of the new book, The Liberal Invasion of Red State America. It was just out, so do go out there and get it. Before we bring her on, I want to give you a little bit of background on Kristen. Kristen is an author and columnist focused on taxation and federal spending. She is currently a Robert Novak Journalism Fellow at the Fund for American Studies, examining the size and scope of the federal workforce. Kristen writes a weekly column for the Hill newspaper. Her previous books include How Do I Tax Me and Government Gone Wild, How D.C. Politicians Are Taking You for a Ride and What You Can Do About It. Well, Kristen, a pleasure to have you on the program today. Thank you so much for having me, Beverly. So I find this topic fascinating, probably partly because I grew up in California. I know the taxes. I know the policies there. They have caused my parents who retired two years ago to move to South Carolina so that they could afford retirement. So this is near and dear to my heart. But I'm curious about what made you decide to write this book and to break down some of the data for us. So I grew up in New Hampshire, and um, New Hampshire has undergone a complete transformation over the last few decades. When I was growing up in the 90s, New Hampshire was a really, you know, live free or die, red, purple state, very independent place. Of course, we have no income tax up there, no sales tax. It's just a really cool place, or it historically has been, Uh, you know, very much a a third party type state. Uh, But recently that's really changed as Democrats moved from uh, Massachusetts where the taxes are high and the cost of living is high and they move up to New Hampshire to save money and have a higher standard of living. And now New Hampshire state house is all Democrats. The only Republican we have left is our governor up there. And uh, there are whispers now of uh, implementing an income tax or even a sales tax, which would drastically change the way of life. But uh, as these Democrats move up, they want more revenue streams to fund their uh, various initiatives. So, so this is something that I kind of experienced growing up as I watched my home state change. Uh, and then later in life, I, I moved to Texas as an adult, and I saw something very similar going on. You know, people moving from California, where, of course, you said your parents are from, and, uh, and New York as well, and really changing the political landscape of Texas. And then... In 2017, Republicans passed their tax bill, which was a really wonderful bill in a lot of ways. However, uh, because of the salt and local tax deduction, which was now capped at $10,000, that just really sped up this trend and caused a lot of wealthy blue staters to flee for for low tax jurisdictions. So that was really what kind of sparked my interest in this topic. But when when the tax bill was passed, that's when I said, okay, I need to write a book about this now because uh, this is really becoming a a significant change that's uh, really altering the political map on a national scale. 
And yeah, and this is something people should pay attention to as 2020 continues the 2020 election because there are states that are changing. Um, Virginia, one, that's one that has changed most recently. The state definitely going from red to purple to now blue. Um, so I think it's going to be important as we see even the down ballot races to see what happens um, in these states. But the question I have for you, and this is what I think is so ironic about people fleeing these high tax states, going to low tax states, or fleeing more policies that don't benefit them and then wanting to leave is they want to take so many of their policies with them, right? It's not like they've left and they've realized that's not the best way to govern a state. They go to another state and then think, well, they can replicate the same thing there without the negative consequences. So why is it that people don't seem to get it that you don't want this state to become California? Well, a lot of people just go where the jobs are and where the corporate growth is. So here in Texas, we have so many jobs, we can't fill them all. In fact, there is a state program here to actively recruit workers from other states. We just cannot get enough workers down here. So, you know, people move because the good jobs are in the red states. The cost of living is lower. They're not necessarily moving for political reasons. And many folks are not connecting the dots. You know, they're not saying, hey, Uh, Maybe there are lots of jobs in Texas and Florida and Arizona because, uh, you know, fiscal conservatism has served these states quite well. Uh, People just aren't really thinking about that. But this trend is going to have real consequences. I I mean, New York and California are both expected to lose U.S. congressional seats because of population declines, while Texas and Florida are going to gain seats. So this is something Republicans need to pay attention to. Uh, You know, people in the right of center uh, sphere of thinking are constantly talking about immigration and DACA and the wall. And obviously those are all very important issues. But I actually think it's this domestic migration that's really going to have the largest impact on our political environment over the next couple of years. And, and you know, Beverly, it, it is vindicating in certain ways because we're seeing people moving to places that have uh, fiscal conservative policy in place. So that's good. But on the other hand, these trends are really going to pose some real challenges for Republicans. And uh, we need to wake up to this and, and start to address it. Well, let's talk about the states where you see people leaving. So you mentioned New York and California being two of those. Do you see the states at all trying to adjust to the population decline that they have, or are they seeming to double, seeming to double down on the policies that led for led people to migrate to begin with? Well, this is part of what's so frustrating is so often these blue states like New York, Illinois, and California just double down on the policies that created the dismal situation in the first place because, you know, they're losing tax revenue as citizens flee. So to make up for the lost revenue, they're just taxing the people who stay behind even more. Uh, New York recently increased its uh, tax on real estate worth over a million dollars, which, of course, is uh, quite common in Manhattan. Almost every property is worth more than a million dollars. And the predictable result of that was a real estate, a drop in real estate sales in New York City of 16%. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that when you increase taxation on real estate, real estate sales will go down. But uh, these people who run these blue states just don't 
get it. I mean, if they want to stop the exodus they're seeing, they must make these places more affordable. And the most logical way to do that is to lessen their state and local tax burdens. But unfortunately, we're just not really seeing that happen in most parts of the country that are losing people. And one of the polls that you have in your book, which I think is fascinating, is you found that 53% of residents are considering leaving California on account of the high cost of living. I know, especially in the Bay Area, San Francisco has been brought up a lot about the high cost of living. And have we, so with so many people considering leaving the state, and this is just one sample, of course, like you mentioned, Illinois being one of those other states, New York, is there, have we ever seen this type of migration in more modern history in America where people are leaving as frequently as they are at or at the levels they are? Have we seen this before? Not at these kinds of levels. This is really kind of something new. And it's a, probably a reason why a lot of Republicans aren't paying attention to this because it's not something that we've ever dealt with before. It's not something the party has ever really had to address. But you bring up a really good point, which is cost of living. You know, a lot of people think that these domestic migration trends are purely a, an effect of taxation. And while taxation is certainly a large part of that, you're right. It's also cost of living. Um, I ran an analysis for the book that found $100 will purchase you about $90 worth of goods in New York and California. That same exact $100 bill will get you far more than $110 worth of services and goods in Florida, Texas, and across a lot of the Midwest. So people are asking themselves, where can my dollar go furthest? And of course, it happens to be in red states. You know, it's no coincidence that eight of the 10 fastest growing states in the country and most prosperous states in the country have Republican governors. Fiscal policies that are conservative tend to work. They tend to uh, let people keep more of their own money. It attracts corporate growth, and this makes everyone more prosperous. And at the same time, I'm assuming this does change even the housing market. Um, I've been looking at some numbers showing that people, rental prices in some of these cities, like especially in the in the South, think of Nashville, think of Greenville, South Carolina, think of Charleston, South Carolina, that rents are going sky high. I'm assuming that's because um, with so many people moving, not everybody is willing to stake a claim and stay somewhere for a long time. So renting is becoming more popular, especially among young people than home ownership. That's exactly right. I mean, I think there are a lot of factors that go into, uh, you know, young people not wanting to own homes. Uh, student loan debt is certainly one of them. Young people simply don't have a lot of money in the bank. But no, I think you're right. I think all of these trends kind of play into this. Young people like to be very mobile, uh, they want the ability to go where the jobs are and move quickly if they need to. Um, so, so yeah, we're seeing rents go up in a lot of these places. Um, and that's largely the effect of people wanting to, to have that option to pick up and move if a better opportunity presents itself. So let's talk about the red states that you see turning. You've mentioned a few of them so far, but what states do you see that we could see them turning from red to purple to maybe blue in the near future? Um, and what type of policies, people who live in those states, what type of policies are they going to be battling? 
So people laugh at me sometimes when I say this, but Texas really could go blue. Uh, And that is a terrifying concept to think about. The fastest growing cities in the country are right here in Texas. And in 2018, Democrats did better in Texas than they have uh, in over two decades. In Super Tuesday, we saw Bernie Sanders. He didn't win Texas, but he came awfully close. That tells you where the direction of the the Democratic Party here in Texas is heading. And uh, people are flocking to Texas cities. Uh, People don't realize this. I'm sure you do since you're from California, but a lot of millennials don't realize that California used to be a reliably red state. It was a very conservative place. And today, Texas's demographics are almost identical to those of California in the late 1980s, right before, uh, you know, Democrats started their winning streak of presidential runs in California. So people uh, on the right side of the aisle really cannot take Texas for granted. If Republicans lose Texas, it is all over. Republicans will never win federal elections again. And I want to just add, even if Texas doesn't go blue in the next decade or two, as it goes more to the left, even if it doesn't become fully blue, Republicans are going to have to spend an increased amount of precious time and resources on the ground in Texas. And of course, that just diverts resources and time away from other critical states. So so I would say the big one is Texas. But of course, we're seeing these changes happen in Virginia, Colorado, uh, even states that you wouldn't necessarily think that this kind of uh, change is taking place. Deep red states like Oklahoma even are seeing a, a sort of shift to the left, especially in the cities. So I would say the big one is Texas, but it's really something that's happening to red states around the country. And there's been a lot of talk about our polarization in this country and what people may call more of a tribal mentality where people stay in their own tribe and their own communities and everybody pretty much has the same perspective. Do you find that this leads to more polarization or the fact that people are living in the same communities? Maybe they have a different ideology. Um, Is it good for people to live together? Are we learning from each other or is this further tearing us apart? further tearing us apart. There's a sociological term called clustering, which is basically uh, this theory that without even realizing it, people tend to geographically surround themselves with others who think like them. And that includes politics. So when I was researching for my book, The Liberal Invasion of Red State America, what I found is that blue state residents who move to red state cities tend to vote overwhelmingly for Democrats once they you know, arrive in their new states. However, uh, blue state residents who move to red state rural areas and suburban areas are much more likely to vote for Republicans. So if you look at these states that are receiving large numbers of domestic migrants, what you actually find is that the cities are becoming much more blue. But in fact, in many cases, the rural areas and some suburban areas are becoming much more red. So the states themselves within the states are becoming extremely polarized, which, to your point, means that people aren't really mingling with others who might have different views than them. And this is very dangerous. Uh, And it's probably one of the reasons why We've become so polarized and people have become so full of hatred when dealing with others on the the opposite side of the political aisle. And so this begs a question, what should 
people who believe in a less government approach and are fearful of those moving into states that want a large government approach, what is the best way for for those of us who appreciate less government to think about this and what can we do? Well, I always tell people we've got to start reaching out to our new neighbors and explaining to them why these red states have become so successful. Everyone listening to this podcast, everyone who reads my book, if you live in a red state, you have an obligation to get the word out to newcomers and say to them, hey, you know what? There's a reason why Texas or New Hampshire or Florida or Arizona or wherever you live, there's a reason why the jobs are here. And you know what? Maybe we should keep it this way. Uh, There's also some other bright spots and reasons why people should be hopeful. For example, I found that even though domestic migrants to red states are very likely to vote for Democrats, the children of domestic migrants to red states are actually more likely to vote for Republicans than their parents are. So, you know, if you have someone who moves from California to Texas, that person may vote for a Democrat, but their child who spends their whole lives growing up in Texas that child is more likely to vote for a Republican when they become uh, of age to, to start voting. So there are reasons to be optimistic. And I think, uh, you know, everyone really needs to, to make meaningful efforts to reach out across the aisle and get conversations going. We cannot keep ourselves in echo chamber bubbles. Uh, otherwise, we are going to lose some of these states like Texas. Uh, and by the time we realize what a problem it is, it might be too late. I think there's a lot of opportunity to talk to our neighbors about this. So I agree with you on that. I want to let listeners know, once again, the new book is called The Liberal Invasion of Red State America. Go get it today. There's a lot of great information in there. But for now, Kristen, thank you so much for joining She Thinks today. Thank you so much for having me, Beverly. Really, really uh, an honor to join the show. And thank you all for joining us today. Before you go, I did want to let you know of another great podcast you should subscribe to in addition to She Thinks. It's called Problematic Women, and it's hosted by Kelsey Bowler and Lauren Evans, where they both sort through the news to bring stories and interviews that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, that is, women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. Every Thursday, hear them talk about everything from pop culture to policy and politics by searching for Problematic Women wherever you get your podcasts. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode so your friends know where they can find more She Thinks episodes. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening.